0: Hi, welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm Marilyn Barefoot. I am thrilled to welcome as my guest today, Libby McCready. Libby and I have known each other for over 20 years. And when I first met her, you know how you get that feeling that, wow, this is one incredible lady. 20 plus years later, she is an even more incredible lady. She has started her own business called Opportunity Street. She's a certified executive coach and trainer. And we talk a little bit about that, but one of the things that I really wanted to dig down on with Libby was her fundraising for an organization called True Patriot Love. True Patriot Love raises awareness and money for programs for service members, veterans, and their families. So what Libby did was Libby was part of the first all-women's expedition to Baffin Island, the top of the world. She personally had to raise over $50,000 and get in shape for one of the most incredible experiences of her life. Please listen carefully to this wonderful, brave, incredible woman. Please welcome Libby McCready. So I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have the one and the only Libby McCready with us today on Breaking Brave. Libby's done an incredible amount of brave things in her life, including surviving the advertising business with me, which is how we met. But today is all about the fact that she has snowshoed across the Arctic Circle. So that's what yes. the focus of our conversation is going to be. Welcome, Libby.
1: Thank you so much, Marilyn. It's so great to be reconnected with you and reminisce a little about our advertising days as we've done, but uh, to talk about this adventure and the the bravery, I suppose, involved in it. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you, Libby. I believe it's truly a brave thing that you did. But also, I I literally started as I was researching you. I mean, yeah, we've known each other ish when we started out in the ad business together. But I had a I literally have a billion questions. So <laughs> um, here's where I'd like to start. You were working at McKenzie Financial. Yes. McKenzie Financial is was is currently still a big sponsor of some charity that I had never heard of called True Patriot Love. So I'm going to kick off there and say, Libby, can you tell us first about what is true patriot love? And then we'll launch into how you ended up snowshoeing
1: across the Arctic Circle. (laughs) Sure. So, true patriot love, and and like you, before I landed at Mackenzie, I had not heard of true patriot love either. So, true patriot love is a not for profit organization that through its funding provides essential support and programming to our Canadian military, our veterans and their families who have come home from active duty with physical or mental injury. And so that can be, uh, helping someone reset their house because they are no longer able-bodied. It's, um, all kinds of programs for kids like their May Belief Camp that provides support to the kids of military who are maybe dealing with some issues at home that their other mm. friends outside of the military just wouldn't understand. So post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder and all of that kind of thing. And what our military and veterans go through is not an individual experience. It is a family and community experience. And so there's a plethora of programming that True Patriot Love organizes and then raise, raises funds so that people can partake. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And this
0: is a Canadian initiative. Yes. And so Mackenzie, and there you were, you were head of sales training for Mackenzie, mm-hmm. And McKenzie was a sponsor. So being a sponsor, obviously that's money going towards this fantastic cause, True Patriot Love. But how did it work out for you (laughs) that um, you ended up getting involved emotionally, physically, financially, everything with um, this expedition?
1: So uh, it's a great question. It started with an email. Okay. And so the sponsorship allowed for two participants to, or two uh, employees to partake in the expedition itself. And uh, generally, when this kind of you know extreme trekking opportunity comes through, it comes through at the very highest executive level. Mm-hmm. And in the other three times that the organization has been involved, that opportunity to participate has sort of been scooped up at that executive yeah. level. And this was True Patriot Love's very first all-female expedition. So lucky me, none of the women, brilliant, wonderful, fantastic women who sat at the most senior levels of the executive, none of them were particularly interested in trekking across the Arctic Circle. And so it came to the next level of executive, Mm -hmm. and I reported directly to the head of sales in my role and it was an email and it said here's the program tell me if you'd be interested in going we're going to take names and pick two from all the names like the big list of names that would come in and I say that a little bit ironically or sarcastically because I'm not sure I wondered. Huge... I'm like
0: really <laughs> <laughs> really were there were there people lined up for this or really. no
1: <laughs> So, and I don't know, but uh, but my my guess is no, there was not a there was not a big lineup, and I remember just sitting there at my desk, you know, call it a random Tuesday, two o'clock in the afternoon, an email comes through from my boss. I always read those, of course, and I it's it's this opportunity, and I just sat there and I stared at it, and I stared at it, and I stared at it. Stared at it. it felt like five minutes. I didn't talk to anybody. I just kept staring at it until I found myself typing a response. And I said, I'd be interested, dot, 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 like literally, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Seriously, I would do this. Let me know. Send. (laughs) And then was like, ah. What have I just done? What have I just done? Didn't check oh, with anybody at home.
0: It just spoke to you. Yeah. So if we if we backtrack a little bit, Libby, just to maybe understand the the nature of these expeditions. And so McKinsey as a a sponsor, obviously, uh gives money to True Patriot Love, but True mm-hmm. Patriot Love raises more funds through running these various expeditions yes. which involve both civilian/corporate slash corporate people plus military people who are either currently enlisted perhaps or have just returned
1: home right so there's a, a multitude of purposes behind the expedition so okay. up front it's about raising money yes and i you know most of the the funds that true patriot has uh, or receives, is th- is through uh, funding, whether it's from an expedition or other sources of corporate sponsorship and events and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, at one level, it's about funding. And at the next level, it's about integrating military and civilian, in this case, military and civilian women, mm-hmm. to experience something together. And to learn from each other. So none of us civilians knew anything about really what military women go through in the forces. And a lot of women, or a lot of military, but I'll I'll keep it to women, really don't know what it's like to be outside of the military. A lot of women uh, and men get into the military directly after high school. They get their education through the military. And so their experiences outside of that can sometimes, not exclusively, but sometimes be more limited. Mm -hmm. And so it's that learning and it's that healing and that conversation that takes place through the preparation to go on the expedition as well as actually being on the expedition. And then the third piece is a mentorship component where the corporate people or business people uh, are matched to military and often not exclusively again, but often the military who are chosen to go on these expeditions are looking at the next, you know, six months to a few years to mm-hmm. retire and venture out into another world that is unknown to them. And so we, uh, we become mentors, to our military partners. Beautiful. So it's really a, a very robust experience and a really great experience for everybody who's involved.
0: Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, from when you when you take it apart like that, and then you look at each of the pieces separately, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. So you've hit send mm-hmm. on your email. And and then what? Okay, you've put up your hand and said, I would be interested in going on this. So how much time had to elapse before somebody said, Yeah, guess what, Libby? You're in?
1: Yeah, I, I don't actually remember. I would say it was somewhere between uh one and two weeks. Okay. Before I knew that I was chosen. Um I didn't I didn't tell my husband for four or five days. I was going to say, what was
0: the reaction from home? Or maybe just don't bother mentioning it until you're sure that actually you might be
1: going. Well, I think I wanted to know if I was going. And so I wasn't really saying very much to very many people. But I, you know, I started to because it was starting to feel exciting. And I really wanted to do it. Um, The reaction from home was, of course you are. (laughs) Because that's who you are. And that's the kind of stuff you put your hand up for.
0: Good for, good for home. Yes. Because you want to, you want their joy and their support because that just makes it so much more fantastic for you to get excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So my understanding, Libby, and I have, you know, since we originally discussed doing this Breaking Brave podcast together, I've, I've done as much as I could find research about the expedition. But let's before we get into you specifically in Baffin Island and the Arctic Circle, true patriot love has done other expeditions like mm-hmm. all over the world, yes, yes, they have like can you reel off some of the places that they've gone or perhaps are planning on going
1: yeah so they've they've certainly done uh some northern Canada uh mm-hmm. summertime, both the Douglas River and the Mackenzie River, so that's sort of the extreme canoeing, yeah. Uh, the uh, I believe it's the magnetic north pole, and I didn't know there was a difference between the north north pole and the magnetic north pole, and I still don't know the difference, but there is one. Okay. So they've done that. Uh, they did. Um, they didn't do full on Everest, but they did uh, a mountaineering expedition. And uh, before COVID hit, they were planning on Patagonia, but have and then. yeah, but have since. Uh, decided I probably shouldn't be speaking fully about True Patriot Love's strategy, but uh, they are a Canadian organization and so they are going to keep it in Canada. And the expedition that I was on was considered one of their greatest successes and they know that they want to go back to Baffin Island and do the Arctic Circle again.
0: Fantastic, yeah, so in the past, Libby, there would be a mixture of men and women on these on these trips, yeah,, uh, uh, yeah, okay. And then they made the decision, and from the research that I've done is to shine a light on the women in the military, specifically the kinds of challenges that they would face differently than other people in the military mm-hmm. and reintegrating, as you've spoken to, back into the world. Once they leave the military. One thing I did read was that each year, 1,600 military are released from service, and you don't just get dropped back in on the driveway with your bag and be ready to go. Right. No, it's
1: a big transition. And for those, especially suffering from any kind of mental injury, and I say injury, they don't, it's not referred to as a mental illness, they've right. been injured. In service with things like post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Yeah, and so, yeah, that integration is not necessarily easy. I have friends in the United States
0: that have served, but they don't really talk about it very much. Um, So, PTSD, I certainly know is 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 a is a huge issue. So, let me jump back now. You've been accepted, and. Okay, so what now?
1: Once you get over the panic of what you just (laughs) signed up for. (laughs) Oh my God, really? I'm doing this, right? You know, I, in my life, am not what one would define as a big rule follower. I like to take my own path. But this was the Arctic. Mm. And this was uh, two weeks in total time, but nine nights of trekking and sleeping in tents and uh, being in the extreme conditions of minus 30 to minus 40 degrees and eating freeze dried food and all of that for a person who doesn't particularly like the cold <laughs> and has never really camped. Okay, so there's a learning curve. <laughs> uh, yes, huge learning curve. And I became a rule follower. Yeah. You you tell me to do something and I will do it. And so everything that they told me to do, I started to do. So there was, you know, everything from I got a five page gear list. Hey. So I had to go to Mountain Equipment Co op and buy absolutely everything that was on the list, including things like sleeping pads and sleeping bags for cold weather and all of that kind of stuff. So all my clothing, right down to the undergarments. I bet. It was all on the list, um, and and we had three training camps that where we got together. So we were up in Gravenhurst, not too far from where I live, uh, at one of the Y camps, and we were there for a weekend and uh, slept outside in the soggy rain, mm-hmm. which was horrible. And then uh, we had um, an evening at one of the co-chairs' homes in around November where we set up the tent and, you know, slept outside again. And we we actually, I, my husband and I lived on the lake at the time. And so our last training camp we did at my lake home and we camped on the lake right in front of the Right in front of the cottage. And your
0: husband took the keys away from you. So there was no sneaking in in the middle of the night or anything, exactly. right?
1: <laughs> I mean, those were the formal things. Yes. Then there was the, I bought the tent myself mm-hmm. to sleep outside in over the Christmas holidays when everybody else was snuggled up inside. And it was freezing, like Freezing and I really didn't set my tent up properly. So I only lasted until about three o'clock in the morning that night and thought, my God, I can't do this. I'm never going to make it. (laughs) But, um, you know, some other crazy things. I was told to go get a tire, like a 16 inch, 17 inch tire, and tie it around my waist and go for an hour and a half walk. Every day of the weekend,
0: from I love this. November
1: to the time I went away, and I did that.
0: And people would stop on the road and ask if you needed help, or if you were taking your tire to the dump, or what. What was? <laughs> what did. is this woman doing?
1: They did, and it wasn't just me. So I was lucky; I was up in nature for the most part. But uh, you know, some of my my city friends, and it was only the corporate women who had to do these ridiculous things because the military is the- already fit. They're they're they've got this. No exactly. Problem. Exactly. They're used to lugging stuff around ten times their weight. So um, you know, a lot of us were asked, uh, where's the rest of your car? Do you need me to call CAA? <laughs> so it was uh, it was pretty funny, actually. But it was great. I, I went for I went way in the backwoods one weekend and thought, I'm getting really used to this tire carrying. And I turned around and my tire was nowhere to be found.
0: <laughs> said, oh, this is getting better and yeah. easy. Well, yeah, because it fell off about it, yeah. 5K ago.
1: Yeah, so I had to go back and get it.
0: <laughs> the The first uh, official uh, training that you did at the Y camp, was that the first time you'd met the women that you were going to be with? Bo- uh, uh, and were they both the military women and the corporate women, or were they just the corporate women because their butts had to get in gear faster and better?
1: Yeah, no, it was all of us. It was all of all us of together. So, so it was the first time meeting. Yeah.
0: How did it go? I mean, what did you do? Like, hey, I'm Libby and this is why I'm here and this is what I do?
1: Yeah, we, did, we definitely did that. Uh, we, <clears throat> we did everything. We learned about our sleeping bags. Yeah. Uh, I am not the only businesswoman, corporate woman who had never camped before.
0: I'm certain. Who had never yeah. been out
1: in the wilderness before. So there were a lot of us sort of with, you know, bug eyes going, how do we do this? And paying great attention to every detail. So, uh, you know, there were sitting around listening to our guides, uh, hikes, um, trying out to, we didn't have any snow that first weekend, so we couldn't try out our snowshoes. I know how to snowshoe, but, you know, lots of the women had never worn snowshoes before. Wow. So it was really soup to nuts. We tested all of the freeze-dried food and had to make lists of you know which ones we liked uh because that would be provided and and what's that like
0: <laughs> i mean i'm thinking like beef jerky and and but you know i don't know i've never eaten freeze dried food what what's what's it like and what were your favorite
1: foods uh it it's outside of the experience you know how sometimes you go on a holiday down south and all mm. of a sudden you're like ooh i like drinking rum and so you buy some <laughs> and bring it home and go? Why <laughs> Often, <did> I, yes. <laughs> why did I? Di- I hate this. Why am I so outside of the context of the trip? It's pretty disgusting stuff. Okay. Like you have to be committed to to that. All right. To enjoy it. But uh, my favorites. So uh, the breakfast was great. So I have a gluten allergy. So I got to choose all my own foods. So I went to you know I bought a whole bunch of stuff and tried it out. I loved my breakfast. Um, which was oatmeal with a whole bunch of yummy stuff in it, and then dinner was um cashew chicken and and mashed potatoes
0: and so freeze dried food, like
1: what what do you do?
0: You had water or mm-hmm. yeah, there's no
1: yes. campfire in the Arctic because there's no wood. so our each of our tents so there, there were six women per tent for four business women, two military per tent. And the guide slept separately. Uh, right. we had a guide assigned to us to our tent, and she was responsible for the cooking. so it was a big pot uh, with a special kind of gas. I can't remember what it's called, and our tasks to set up camp every day there were people who who uh, were responsible for the tent itself, and others of us who were responsible for going around and finding. Chunks of ice and chunks of snow to melt. And so, for the water, for the water. And so, everything was water based, freeze dried food. Got it. uh, For those meals. So, breakfast was inside, uh, you know, our instant coffee, our hot chocolate, uh, our soup, you know, whatever it was that you wanted, as long as it could be made with water, that's what you did. Yeah. And lunch was um, beef jerky. Pepperettes, yeah, cheese sticks, yeah, fantastic, yeah, and how
0: many women, corporate and also the military, how many women in your in your group altogether?
1: together? Mm-hmm. so about twenty,
0: okay, and then how many guides
1: uh four guides who were from this part of the world who came up, okay uh, so extreme trekkers, this is what these yeah. people do for livings and right. And, uh, and then we had a, a series of local guides as well. Okay. So we had local guides, uh, who, uh, would run the heavy equipment for us from one location to the next. We were also, uh, at, you know, maybe about the fourth day, we were running a little slower than the guides wanted us to. And so a lot of us ended up offloading our, so all that, all that carrying of tires for for no purpose because we got to get rid of our sleds um, because what we were carrying up there on our sleds were our packs, so our sleeping bags and and everything that we needed for the full fourteen days, including the pre and post trekking, got it uh, needed to come with us the whole time. All of our food, um, so that that started to get offloaded into uh, the guides' sleds. So you could move a little faster. Yeah. But at any point, um, you know, two to four local guides and four core guides.
0: Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Okay. So.
0: You leave Toronto. You fly out of Toronto. Let's, let's just, how do you get there? So are you guys, first of all, did you have a team name? I'm sure you must have. Is it, did we talk about this um, before we got on the podcast?
1: Venus Pod? Yeah. So that was our pod. Our pod of six was the Venus okay. Pod. And our, just to our, backtrack okay. to Nikki, Nic- Nicole Aydelaw, um, yeah. Nikki was matched up with myself and Karen Adams. And Karen is the CEO of FunServe. Oh. So there were six of us all together. So two sets like Karen and I. Two
0: sets of three. Yeah. Okay. So you were the Venus pod being the six pod. Yes. Are you guys now, all 24 of you, plus the the guides who are coming with you, are you all on the same plane leaving Toronto, if you
1: will, and going where? So we started in Ottawa. So to get from wherever, because uh, the the women, military and, and business-wise, uh, were from across Canada. Okay. And so what we all had to do was be in Ottawa, meet in Ottawa. So we spent the night in Ottawa and got up the next morning and flew to Iqaluit as a group.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then what? Well How do you get from there to where you have to be?
1: What we were supposed to do was have a short layover and puddle jump over to a place called Kickatarjuwak, or right. Kick for short, okay. which is where we would start our trek from. But the uh, visibility was mm. uh, not good for so, so the plane
0: couldn't fly. Yeah. So the plane
1: couldn't fly. So we were at first planning on sleeping in the airport because there was some mining convention on in Akalawit. And there were no hotel rooms to be found. But one of our wonderful military partners called up her pal at NORAD and said, do you have room for 20 plus people to stay the night? So we had a fantastic time staying in a, you know, basically a military facility.
0: How fabulous. That's a great experience. And then the next
1: day flew to Kikitarjuak.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And there it began.
1: And there it began, yes,
0: I've got so many I got so many questions, as I said. So the people who inhabit this area of the world, mm-hmm. and if I ask dumb questions, you'll understand, I've never been camping either, especially there. Um, they're Inuit people. Mm-hmm. So did you encounter Inuit people as you were trekking?
1: Of course, I think that was one of the highlights. Of the trip, the hospitality and the friendliness of our hosts uh, for the entire time we were there. So we had hosts in Kikatarjuak, we had hosts who, you know, were our local um, guides mm-hmm. and and support van, well, support skidoo, and uh, and then we ended our trip in Pangratung and had several community events organized for us. There, we were a very short time in kick because of the fact that we were delayed, right, and so we didn't get to experience as much of that small community of I think six hundred people as would have been wonderful to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we were uh, were we two or three nights in Ping? Um, but we had time to to enjoy and get to meet people and really hear their stories and. It was, it was, there were so many special, unique moments, but the time with our hosts was one of the most memorable.
0: Could I ask for one story that stands out for you from, you know, meeting, spending time with your hosts?
1: So uh, we, we're told, so we get to the hotels, we're coming in with flags in these boxes called uh, Comatix. And, um, you know, we're sitting in these sort of padded, blanketed um, boxes that are being lugged behind this, the snowmobiles. And so everybody's there sort of cheering us and whatnot. We're at the co-op hotel, at get our showers, which was delightful, very delightful. And mm-hmm. then we're to be over at the community center for a special event for some activities so there's a, a group of us sitting in the audience and chatting with some of the junior uh, junior Rangers so the Rangers are are a very big part of the community there and getting to know some of these um, tweens and you know young people and we say what's the entertainment and of course they're teenagers or tweens and they're like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Some things don't really change, no matter what part of the
0: world you're in. Uh-huh. Guess what?
1: We were the entertainment. <laughs> so we were not supposed to be sitting in the audience. We were supposed to be sitting up at the front.
0: Polishing up your tap shoes, or what were you doing, No, Libby? no, we
1: were just sort of sitting and, and uh, saying hello. And, you know, the, the entire community came out uh, to oh, nice. to greet us. Only 50 people in a season do this trek. And we were twenty-four, twenty-five of them with our hosts. So So you represented half the people who were going to
0: traverse to the Arctic Circle through the Akshayak Pass.
1: Yes. Very well said.
0: Thank you. I've been practicing. I had to go online and learn how do you pronounce because the way it's spelled and the way it's and the way it's pronounced could be really different. So yep. thank you. I'll try and not mess it up in the future.
1: <laughs> you did better than I would have, I think. <laughs>
0: So they wanted a Q&A with you guys. They want to like, who are you?
1: Yeah. 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 And it was it was delightful, but it didn't end there. Um, okay. We, we were to then meet down on the ice uh-huh. uh, at seven o'clock for a party. <sighs> and again, the community was there. And to celebrate, we had seal. Oh. Now they did cook some, but we ate raw seal and okay. raw Arctic char. I bet it was. And it was fantastic.
0: Delicious. I mean, if you if you love sushi, that's this has got to be an experience that's yeah. fabulous.
1: Pretty much like that, except very frozen, sort of. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was frozen. And
1: there was a wonderful gentleman, uh, Marcus Wilkes, who, German by birth, was a, a nurse practitioner for a number of years and decided to never leave. Wow. And so he was also very gracious. He came over and got us, you know, a bunch of us and took us around and described, um, you know, some of the underbelly and the problems Mm. in the community. And as you can imagine, uh, it is like most of our Native Reserve communities where there is just a lot of alcohol abuse and suicide and murder rates. And, you know, we experienced a little bit of that firsthand. We've since lost... Two individuals that we met and adored, two women who uh, ran the soup kitchen. Oh. Uh, one of whom I had a son who had been murdered. And then she herself was unfortunately murdered by her other son. So just like tragic. Inconceivably
0: tragic. Yeah. And we should be doing more. And yes. I wish we all could do more, but we will absolutely. Um, how did that affect you, Libby? I mean, we know because we watch the news, maybe, but now you're standing in it so so, how did it affect you?
1: You know it's interesting because their hearts are so full of love and joy hmm. the the you know the people that we met um I'm still connected to lots of them on Facebook, and you know so I don't really know how to answer that. Right. Um there's something that I need to do but I don't know what that is yet. And maybe covid has gotten in the way or whatever. But
0: but you know that in your heart you want to do something and yeah. you know what I I was chatting on a previous podcast that we have released with Linda Lundstrom and the fact that She was born and raised in Red Lake, in the Red Lake area, and there was a a large indigenous community there. And she felt shame and guilt most of her life because she hadn't done anything and she knew she wanted to do something. And it was all about the timing of when the right thing comes to you in your heart and in your mind, and I'm sure it will. Mm -hmm. But that's amazing that you got an opportunity to spend time with your hosts, with the people. That's great.
1: Yeah, they're absolutely fantastic, fantastic people.
0: And I'm I'm so glad you're still connected. So wildlife, were there some wildlife sightings or were there some wildlife stories? Because I got to believe there's some incredible wildlife where you were that you've never experienced before.
1: So first of all, we had to be trained on how not to get eaten by a polar bear. And we were traveling through the park uh, just sort of at cub season. Oh. So... You know, mama bear cubs kind of thing. Very
0: protective of those babies.
1: Yeah. So, uh, kick our our launch point. Mm-hmm. We we had to travel for three hours in these um, wooden buckets. Wooden buckets yeah. that I've just lost the name for that I practiced <laughs> right. so hard to say.
0: It's like a big wooden bucket that's towed behind. The, exactly. The, this
1: comatic—that's the word. Comatic. Was yes. Okay. So that was a three-hour trek to get past where the polar bears would be mating and having their cubs. So that by the time we started our trek, we really would not see any polar bears or any other wildlife.
0: So did you have an opportunity to see the bears? I mean, was did. was a great set of binoculars part of the list that you shopped at Meck?
1: No binoculars required because okay. on that trek, beautiful afternoon we saw two cubs and her mama bear.
0: Oh, how beautiful. And mama
1: was like way, way far in the distance. And the cubs would have been, uh, according to our guides, about three weeks old. So they were, you know, falling and tripping and it was very, very cute. Yes. Mom just kept, you know, running back and forth saying, "Uh, I don't know what you're doing, but like, can you please get over here? So was that was beautiful. That was that was spectacular. But we weren't really in danger of wildlife.
0: Yeah. No, but you got a chance to experience it. You were there. You saw yes. it. You experienced it firsthand. I, I. This is not. This is not a city girl question, but it's it's a question because when you talk about the cubs, then of course I'm thinking, camera. Like we need a picture of this. Then mm-hmm. that takes me to phone. Then that takes me to internet. Can we just? talk about that? Because I'm sure that the audience is going, like, could you send an email? Could you communicate with your family? Could you use your phone to take a picture? Or was it frozen?
1: Yeah. So the battery life of a phone uh, in those kinds of extreme temperatures would not last very long. So we were advised to buy point and click. So I I did that. Um, and uh, a few of us tried like little solar panel things and Stuff to charge phones. Yeah, yeah. It, did, it didn't really work. One woman did uh, bring a satellite phone. And so she was staying connected with home and okay. let a few people, you know, say hello back at home. But for the most nice. part, we were unplugged. And it was I think that's fabulous. the best. The it was best. fabulous. Yeah.
0: And so... There was somebody taking photos, though somehow, some way, yourself perhaps, but other ones as well. Yeah, we
1: had a professional photographer who yesterday just had her first baby.
0: Congratulations! Yeah,
1: so Shiloh Adams was um, uh, was our official photographer, and and just spectacular pictures. Wow! Yeah.
0: So was I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to best ask this question: a turn back moment, a moment of. I shouldn't have done this? I mean, I know that's not who you are, Libby, but was there a moment of, I'm so worn out, I'm so tired, I'm so cold, what the hell am I doing here? Was there (laughs) one of those for you?
1: There was one on the first day of trekking. So at 58, two years ago, I was 58 years old, I was the oldest woman on the trek.
0: God bless you. I hadn't brought that up. I was waiting for
1: you to bring it up. I said it's not up to me
0: to start announcing to the world that Libby was 58 in 2019, but exactly. you said it. So okay. I said it.
1: Yes. And one of the straps on my snowshoe snapped. Not not right. fully broken, but it it snapped a bit. And so one of the guides um you know was helping me figure out how to readjust and man, you took your gloves off for like 2 seconds and you were absolutely freezing. So I was basically standing with, you know, like a kid with daddy, you know, fixing my boot. So we got, we got fixed, but by this point, everybody else had left and they were ahead. Mm-hmm. And so every time they stopped for a break, we would still be going, trying to catch up. So you up. couldn't
0: stop for yeah. your break.
1: And I was getting so anxious mm-hmm. because it was reminiscent of, a trip that I had done with a couple of friends, it was a great trip, but they were very, very good skiers. Oh. And I was very novice and, you know, they'd be waiting for me and I'd be like exhausted. And as soon as I caught up to them, off they'd go. So there was no break. And and that's fine when you're in Banff, but when you're in the Arctic and you have all of the trip ahead of you, I started to get very anxious and so I told my guide that I was feeling this way, mm-hmm. and that I was I was getting upset, and I think he could probably see that I was getting upset. Mm-hmm. And he immediately said, "Well, then we're not going to try to catch up. When they break, we break, and doesn't really matter if they're not breaking and we're breaking. We're going to break whenever we want. Because here's wow. the thing: they're going to finally get to the campsite. Yeah." And catch up. And the good news is they'll probably have the tent set up and, you know, you won't have to do that. So we're just going to hang out back here and we're going to have a good time today. And I was... (sighs)
0: Immediately a different headspace.
1: Immediately relieved. That's what I needed. And i that was the only moment that I had.
0: What was the first night like going to sleep? Like... I, I, maybe because you'd been trying to catch up all day until he gave you this gift of, hey, we can just do what we want. They aren't going to lose us. So I'm yeah. here with you. You were so tired. Maybe you just put your head down and that was it. But ah, you're in the middle of nowhere and it's minus 40. Yes. How was the first night of trying to go to sleep?
1: So not bad. I think I was on the last night before I finally figured out how the how to really pull my sleeping bag up around my face.
0: Okay. Um,
1: because I felt like I held on to the strings tight for most of the, the trek. Yeah. Um, so falling asleep is not the issue. It's when you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah, this <laughs> this is a
1: whole other conversation It is. that
0: I was like, okay, I really want to go there too, because how does that
1: work? Yeah. So um, in the middle of the the night, there's a whole system and I won't go into the the graphic details of it. Don't have to do graphic, but you do have to leave the
0: tent, I imagine.
1: No, no. Oh, Oh, okay, you don't. You have things. You have a potty kind of thing. Kind of thing, yes. All right. But it's not that that's bad. It's the idea that you have to like unzip. I have to get out of this beautiful, warm sleeping bag. And you know, get some things sort of positioned and whatnot. And, you know, the the longer you wait, the colder you get. Right. So you just have to bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm doing this. So that was the worst part of sleeping and waking up in the middle of the night and realizing that you have shifted off your pad and you're actually sleeping on snow. Yeah. So it was very... It was very cold. You, we woke up in the morning, every morning, with frost and basically snow in the tent, just from our breath. Wow! Yeah.
0: Did you experience any wildlife in the night? Were there sounds that felt or sounded strange, or was it just really, really quiet?
1: It's completely quiet. There really isn't a lot of wow wildlife because there's nothing for them to eat.
0: Right. So they're not and, around.
1: Right. And we were walking, um, you know, in the valley in the summertime, it would be lakes. And of course, so we're walking mostly on the frozen lakes and rivers through the pass. But it's, you know, glacial rock when it's not snow. So there's really nothing for uh, any creatures to eat. So the, you know, the the bears are up where there's still open water. Mm. So.
0: And Libby, Northern lights or beautiful things in the sky. Apparently, there were, but
1: <laughs> I tried. I tried <laughs> to stay awake. I've seen pictures. It was okay. It, it was there. Yes. No. Unfortunately, I didn't experience that. But uh, but definitely some of uh, some of the other tents experienced that.
0: Yeah, and and what about the mentoring piece, Libby? Did you six the Venus Pod? Did you stay together? Did you talk? about these kinds of things from a mentoring perspective when you were walking, while you were trekking, because you were doing, what, 15 to 20 kilometers a day?
1: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was in the form of mentoring. It was 20 women out for a walk.
0: All right. So So whatever came up, came up in terms of discussion points.
1: Yeah, and beautiful conversations. And sometimes you'd be with people in your tent, and sometimes you'd be with people in some of the other tents, so we all got to know each other very, very well. And I, uh, so it, at night, once you got into your tent, there's you don't get out until you have to go to bed. But right. otherwise, in the day, you're, um, you know, you're all together and you're mixing and mingling and having fabulous conversations on every topic under the sun.
0: And and then. Libby, where where was the final where was the final night you slept outside in your tent with the Venus pod?
1: It was probably about a 45 minute snowmobile trek into Peng okay. from our final night. The most beautiful sound in the world that morning. And it was a gorgeous morning. It was maybe like four or five degrees, clear blue mm. sky, and you could hear the roar of snowmobiles because we only had two snowmobiles with us on the track and they right. were always kind of way ahead or maybe they'd come carrying back carrying the stuff right yeah but this sound of snowmobiles nine of them coming to get us to take us into town was like oh
0: <laughs> yeah and, and so arriving here we are with the skidoos coming to pick you up and you've done it yeah you've made it it's that mm-hmm. feeling of wow Mm -hmm. Can you remember how we felt the very first day we started out? And now look at us and we hear the snowmobiles coming for us. Yeah. So they took you back into town. Mm -hmm. And and then what happened as, if you will, a celebration that evening?
1: Yeah. So, of course, I've already talked about the the community events that were organized for us. So afternoon and evening and the next day some tours and uh, chats with the food bank and, you know, all of those kinds of great things. Um, so first order of business was showers and we were very well organized on that. And there was a lovely common room where we gathered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, um, you know, went to the co-op and bought potato chips and all <laughs> the awesome things you haven't <laughs> yeah, pop. Yes. Um, so we, it's funny what we do as human beings. And I talk about this in my work. We minimize our accomplishments as soon as we've done it. So I've just trekked. I've done what only 50 people a year do. Most of those 50 would be like serial trekker type people. right? Yeah, like 25 the,
0: years old in the best shape of their life and have been doing this for a long time and 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 are good and know what they yeah. haven't had to necessarily drag a tire behind them at the cottage.
1: Yeah, and so I, you know... I'm thinking about the experience and I think, well, it couldn't have been that hard if I did it. And I had to give my head a shake and say, no, that was like a big deal that I just did. So it's just amazing how we minimize our accomplishments that way.
0: And it's, is it, is it all humans or is it female humans that do this? That's a good question for a study for somebody. So we'll park it for a study for some somebody. (laughs) But man. Yeah. What would have been the first thing you said to somebody as soon as you saw somebody who wasn't on your trip with you? What came out of your mouth?
1: Um, The biggest question that people had for me was, would you do it again? Mm. And my answer was, and still is, in a heartbeat, I would. And... And that must be just as crazy as saying yes to the email because now I know everything that's involved. Yeah,
0: I mean, I can't even imagine what you're carrying in your heart and your mind for the rest of your life as a result of those 14 days. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think probably the biggest thing is, and it's maybe not a, a brand new concept because of the type of work that I am in, but I am capable of anything I decide that I want to do. And as long as I have a burning desire to do something, then I will figure the rest out.
0: That is so profound. Let's loop back to your current business, running your own business, got mm-hmm. out of the advertising business, running your own business now, not working for McKenzie anymore, called Opportunity Street. Mm-hmm. You are a certified, brilliant executive coach because you've done all this kind of wonderful stuff all your life. You are the chief thought architect. And so what I pulled off your website was Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said, you become what you think about all day long. Mm -hmm. You do. And also this, the only limitations we suffer are those that we self-impose, which you just basically said, I can do anything I want to do. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, Libby, I would like to go with you. If you decide to do this again, Mm -hmm. I would love to experience this with you. I would love to experience this full stop. Let's round this out by, first of all, how can our Breaking Brave listeners support true patriot love? We'll go there Mm. first. And then the next question is, how can we support you personally, individually? So how do people help with true patriot love?
1: So they are planning uh, another expedition, okay. And i uh, I don't know the dates, but you can go to True Patriot Love's website mm-hmm. and uh, find out what is uh, being planned. Obviously, at this point, all sort of COVID, you know, restriction, right. whenever. Um, and um, and you can donate. You can just go to the website and donate. Good. It is really a fantastic cause. Um, there are a number of events, including things like the Nicola Goddard uh foundation and uh the uh True Patriot Love Yearly Gala nice. uh, that you can attend. It was a fantastic virtual uh event this year, as was the Nicola Goddard event. And so there are lots of lots of different activities and things to do to feel and get connected and start to learn about the important work that they do. And, uh, you know, money is always welcome.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We didn't cover that, Libby, and, and I should have because it was on my wall, on my notes. You personally were required to raise some money before mm-hmm. you went on your trip. And how much were you required to to? To fundraise, to to bring in individually. Yeah,
1: this was this was like one of my big oh crap, what have I just gotten myself into moments. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sorry I missed that because, of course, this is all about doing good for a true patriot it's love, okay. and I completely forgot yeah. to ask you.
1: Um, I'm the. I'll preface it with this: I'm the kind of person when I do some kind of charity event where I'm supposed to raise money, like a walk or a run, or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. those kinds of things. I just toss in the money myself. I'm not out there asking people for money.
0: You're not knocking on doors going, Hey, no, support. I'm like, me. Oh,
1: it's 50 bucks. It's 150. It's 250, whatever. Mm. I had to raise $50,000. Hello. Hello. And I, yeah, I, I have never done fundraising before. So I in the office became a very annoying. It's Friday. And you know what that means? It's 50 <laughs> draw time. Oh, good for you. And if they didn't have cash, I was telling them to get to the bank machine and come and see me. Yes. <laughs> My boss started calling me a closer and offered me a job in sales because I was Excellent. ruthless. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I ran, um, so we had a national sales conference. We did a bunch of fundraising things there. Uh, I ran uh, a lovely event, um, with two wonderful women who were members of the Verity Club in Toronto. Mm. And I so ran a fundraiser, had a little silent auction, had Mary Ann Barber, who is, um, retired military, uh, speak at the event. And, um, and she's actually a nurse practitioner who is working up in, in Nunavut. Uh, so there was oh, a, wow, a lovely, fantastic. a lovely tie nice in there. Fit. So yeah. we did it. I mean, collectively, every woman who was on the trip, corporate woman, had or businesswoman had uh, had a fifty thousand dollar goal mm-hmm. that we had to achieve. Mm-hmm. And the military participants had a you know a smaller goal that that uh, that they were given. And collectively, we raised a million dollars, over a million dollars. I don't know what the exact amount was. I went looking for it today, and I couldn't find it.
0: Hey, over a million dollars is a hell of a statement. It doesn't yeah. need to be to the penny. Once you can yeah. say that, congratulations.
1: Yeah, thanks. And it was fun. I discovered another passion. I, li- I like fundraising.
0: And you're good at it. You yeah. closer, you.
1: I shouldn't have said that out <laughs> loud.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. We all know what it means. So Libby, from here, before we shamelessly promote you and what you're up to, um, what are your goals going forward? I mean, this this. This thing, this beautiful experience that you had from April 1st to April 14th of 2019. And then, of course, 2020 and now 2021 has stopped all things travel related. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what are your goals personally? Have they been shifted maybe a little because of what this trip did for you?
1: Um, A little bit, I think, in the sense that, uh, you know, I've done one other uh, uh, like a volunteer type um, uh, trip to Honduras, to to volunteer oh. at an orphanage. My husband and I have decided that we're going to start doing uh, some kind of, you know, volunteer building, fixing bikes, you know, whatever kind of thing, mm-hmm. if not yearly, by like every other year. Uh, and obviously, we, you know, can't do that right now. Uh, but that's on the radar. I would love to go back to paying. I'm not a fisherman either. But I would love to go back to Pang in the summertime for hiking the parts of the past that you can get into in the summertime because some of it's not accessible. Right. And go out with some folks on their fishing boats and catch some Arctic char or whatever it is that's being caught just to to hang out up there. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my lifetime. And so to get back there a bigger goal would be to figure out how to get back there in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I just haven't figured what that looks like yet. Excellent. Yeah.
0: It would be so fascinating for you too, because in the summertime, how different will everything look and be? You get to experience it all essentially for the first time for the second time. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Well, please keep us posted. Mm -hmm. Now, Libby, my final is opportunity street is your business. Um, you are the sh- chief thought architect. How can people find you, follow you? Let's just give me everything, a website, a hashtag, a, at Libby, whatever you've got.
1: Sure. So at opportunity street and OpportunityStreet.ca. Got so it. that will take you to my, uh, website. You can follow me on LinkedIn. It's just Libby. You can go to opportunity street, but really just follow me at, Libby McCready, find me. Uh, and uh and get connected that way. Yeah.
0: And we'll and we'll have all that all that great connection information in the show notes as oh, well. Oh, great. Good. Libby, I didn't know when I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed in my twenties or something, newly minted advertising chick that this would be how we might reconnect. And I'm I'm thrilled and I loved it. And I want to do something like this with you or mm. with um, True Patriot Love. So, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show. I loved it.
1: Thank you, Marilyn. And yes, absolutely. Let's figure something out. It just takes one or two people to say, let's do something. And before you know it, you have an entire trip planned.
0: And all I have to do is say yes to your email, and I will. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: Awesome. Fabulous. Thank you, Libby. Thank you, Marilyn.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at MarilynBarefoot. That's it for today. See you next time.